green pastures. I know you're picturing lush fields of belly deep alfalfa as far as the eye can see. Well, get that picture out of your mind. Instead, see clumps of green along the arid landscape of the Negev Desert in Israel. That's more the biblical reality. And that's what our heart is for our weekly Green Pastures devotions published by Vineyard Boise. Our hope is that each day you'll find a wee clump of green along the all-too-often arid landscape of life, just enough to sustain you, to keep you moving forward. Each daily devotion consists of four strands, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. May the Lord lead us together into the green pastures we need today to continue growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Green Pastures for Monday, June 12th. Romans, Paul's magnum opus. Today's scripture reading is found in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 17 from the Message Translation, which reads, I, Paul, am a devoted slave of Jesus Christ on assignment, authorized as an apostle to proclaim God's words and acts. I write this letter to all the believers in Rome, God's friends. The sacred writings contain preliminary reports by the prophets on God's Son. His descent from David roots him in history. His unique identity as Son of God was shown by the Spirit when Jesus was raised from the dead, setting him apart as the Messiah, our Master. Through him, we receive both a generous gift of his life and the urgent task of passing it on to others who receive it by entering into obedient trust in Jesus. You are who you are through this gift and call of Jesus Christ. And I greet you now with all the generosity of God our Father and our Master, Jesus the Messiah. I thank God through Jesus for every one of you. That's first. People everywhere keep telling me about your lives of faith, and every time I hear them, I thank them. And God, whom I so love to worship and serve by spreading the good news of His Son, the message, knows that every time I think of you in my prayers, which is practically all the time, I ask Him to clear the way for me to come and see you. The longer this waiting goes on, the deeper the ache. I so want to be there to deliver God's gift in person and watch you grow stronger right before my eyes. But don't think I'm not expecting to get something out of this too. You have as much to give me as I do to you. Please don't misinterpret my failure to visit you, friends. You have no idea how many times I've made plans for Rome. I've been determined to get some personal enjoyment out of God's work among you as I have in so many other non-Jewish towns and communities, but something has always come up and prevented it. Everyone I meet, it matters little whether they're mannered or rude, smart or simple, deepens my sense of interdependence and obligation. And that's why I can't wait to get to you in Rome, preaching this wonderful good news of God. It's news I'm most proud to proclaim this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts Him, starting with Jews and then right on to everyone else. God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith, confirming what Scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God by trusting Him really lives. This is God's Word. This letter is truly the most important piece in the New Testament. It is purest gospel. 
It is well worth a Christian's while not only to memorize it word for word, but also to occupy himself with it daily, as though it were the daily bread of the soul. It is impossible to read or to meditate on this letter too much or too well. The more one deals with it, the more precious it becomes, and the better it tastes. That's Martin Luther's take on what we have come to know as the Book of Romans in our New Testaments, or more precisely, Paul's letter or epistle of Romans, the preface of which you just heard in today's reading. Romans is what we might call Paul's magnum opus, his greatest work, the pinnacle of all of his epistolatory compositions, into which he poured his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's from this magnum opus that we will be drawing our next anchor passage. Romans is most definitely not another brief letter of few words, weighing in with a word count of some 7,114 words, uh, give or take, depending on the English translation. In fact, I've seen word counts for Romans numbering over 9,000 words, which would make it a third again longer than Hebrews though that still doesn't make Hebrews a brief letter of few words. 16 chapters, 433 verses, and 7 to 9,000 words in English. New Testament scholar Greg Keener states that given normal dictation time in the ancient world, it would have taken up to about 11 hours for Paul to dictate this letter to his ready scribe. Though it will only take you about an hour to read it in one sitting which is how it's intended to be encountered, at least initially. Letters are meant to be read all the way through from beginning to end, especially a performative genre like a New Testament epistle. Such letters showed up in a town in the hands of more than a mail carrier. It showed up in the hands of a reader, a reciter, a performer. All of Scripture is a script meant to be performed and heard first. Then studied and examined in detail second and third and fourth and fifth. So that's your homework assignment this week. That's right. These are devotions that actually give you homework. Read Romans all the way through. Set aside one hour and read it. Don't stop for rabbit trails and no greeting anyone along the road as you read. Just keep going. And as I've suggested previously for Titus and Hebrews, take the time either before you read or after, or even both before and after, to watch the Bible Project video that summarizes the flow of Romans. You can just go to bibleproject.com backslash videos, find Romans, it's there. Romans is so big that it actually takes two videos on the Bible Project to get the job done. The first about seven minutes long, covering the first four chapters, and the second video about nine minutes long, covering chapters 5 through 16, or as I like to refer to them, pages 5 through 16. But the videos are worth every second of the 15 minutes or so it will take to watch them. A one-sentence summary of the videos for those who can't pause right now to watch Romans is an exposition of the gospel or the good news in Jesus that reveals God's righteousness, this is chapters 1 through 4, creates a new humanity, chapters 5 through 8, fulfills God's promises to Israel, chapters 9 through 11, 
and unifies the church. That would be chapters or pages 12 through 16. Romans is a letter containing four rhythms with one unifying theme of God bringing everything and everyone together through the person and work of Jesus. As Luther said, it is the purest gospel. And while you may not be able to memorize it word for word, do take time to read it page by page as we journey towards the unveiling of this week's anchor passage lifted from its pages. So, as we pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder, have you ever read Paul's magnum opus, the book of Romans? Have you ever read it in one sitting? What's your overall impression of it? What have you found challenging in it? What have you found inspirational in it? Why? You can't find firm footing in a swamp, but life rooted in God stands firm. Lord, so says the ancient sage in Proverbs, and so is life, a swamp when it's not a storm. Root my life in you in the midst of the swamp, in the middle of the storm. Anchor me, ground me, center me in the realities of you, of your sustaining presence, of your unfailing love through those words, those lines, in season, which would be the light when all other lights go out. Even here, in this Paul's magnum opus, the Epistle to the Romans, speak to me through its pages this week and anchor me in the truths it reveals. Through your mercies. <laughs>